0: it's something that you you laugh about in public but you cry about in private behind closed doors all those traumatic events just great on you you know losing weight isn't easy and some days we can feel like we need some extra help welcome to the weight loss warrior podcast the show where we share inspiring real life success stories from normal everyday people like you and i Listen to how each of our guests managed to overcome their personal challenges to lose the weight they wanted, as they talk about the secrets to their success and give great advice that you can benefit from. Become part of our tribe and use the Weight Loss Warrior podcast as your source of motivation and support to help you on your weight loss transformation. And now your host and friend, Carl Radley.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Weight Loss Warrior podcast. I'm Carl, your host, and today's a bit of a special episode for me, if I'm honest, because not only do I have a guest from Essex, but the guest I'm speaking to today is in my hometown of Braintree, and this is something I think for the podcast is an absolute first, because keeping in mind, I've not really told so many people the fact I'm doing a podcast back there. It was by pure chance, and Emma, my guest, who who you're going to meet in a second, I actually saw on her Instagram of her in the gym, a photo of her in the gym. And I, was, I recognize that gym because I was there last year and we got chatting and here she is to talk about her story. Emma, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today?
0: Hello. Um, first things first, very honored to be your first brand guest. guest. Um, hopefully I won't be the last. But yeah, no, I'm doing really good. Thanks. How are you? are you? Are you well today?
1: I'm doing absolutely brilliant. Thank you. And like I said, I'm I'm genuinely excited. Like I know we had a bit of a chat just before hitting record now. But to have someone from Braintree and and catching up, it's a bit of a surreal experience, if I'm honest with you, especially because we know some of the same people from the gym that you go to. And I'm sure if we got chatting and looked into it, we know a lot more people and have more friends in common so that's something we'll have to do and it also means that I can pop around yours for a cup of tea next time I'm visiting.
0: Absolutely and you're forgetting we discovered that we lived on the same road yeah. like how freaky is that? That, that is Which something is extremely crazy, crazy.
1: <laughs> so yeah and, and I mean Braintree its not the smallest of towns so you know it's not like a village so it's a uh, it's definitely strange but it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show Emma and I mean the, the main reason you're here although we could talk about Braintree all day long is to talk about your amazing success story and your journey of weight loss. So before we get into that, tell us a bit more about yourself, apart from the fact you're living in Braintree.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Emma. I am 32 from Essex. Um, I work in IT and live with my partner of eight years and our little dog called Noodle. Um, I have been overweight for pretty much my entire life. I don't think I can remember a time that I wasn't overweight. Um, So yeah, my my journey has been relatively recent. It's only really kicked off in the last couple of years. Um, But here I am today, um, sitting talking on a weight loss podcast about my success, which is pretty crazy, but also... Um pretty liberating. So yeah, really, really happy for the opportunity to share my story today.
1: And I can't wait to hear it either, Emma, and thank you for that great introduction. And um by the way, Noodle is a great name for a dog. I absolutely <laughs> love that. That's brilliant. Um so Emma, you, you said you don't remember a time before, you know, of not being overweight. So I'm I'm guessing this is something that's been affecting you since childhood and, and something you've lived with since a very young age
0: yes indeed so to 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 give a bit of a background my my dad he was ill throughout the majority of my of my childhood. I think when I was six years old, he actually um ended up with with renal failure, so as far as i I remember throughout my childhood my my dad was always blessed in and out of hospital unwell and of course when you're when you're an innocent six year old you 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 don't have access to very many coping mechanisms so at the time, I remember that when my dad was admitted to hospital, I would be given some form of food, whether it was sweets or cake or or biscuits or anything of that sort so from a very young age, it was kind of instilled in me that food is a source of comfort. And then of course, as, as I as I grew older, I was able to access food myself. So for example, when I walked to school, I remember every day without fail, I would go into um, the sweet shop and buy a pound of millions. This is me showing my age now, millions was, was the thing. And it just kind of spiraled from there, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I've always been an over overweight child, and and unfortunately, as I grew older, it it got worse.
1: I'm sorry to hear that, and and especially obviously as a as a child having to cope with a an ill parent, it, it must be very difficult. And like you said, there's probably a, at some level a lack of understanding, and at another level, probably not knowing anything different. But that was just how it was for you i guess but having food as as that you know whenever you needed to be i don't want to say it in a bad way but like kept quiet or kept entertained you were given food and i mean i'm a parent and, and i'm guilty of doing this it's probably more now with a tablet than it is with food with children that you see so many people doing that mm-hmm. like, you know you need some quiet time you, you give your child the tablet to keep them entertained and i, I think before that obviously and you obviously showed your age by talking about millions but tablets didn't exist when you were six years old, so. I would imagine that for you, obviously, having that crutch of food, having that relationship with food as a, a source of comfort and then being able to access it yourself, it it only really opens the door for, for it to deepen and, and get worse.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And I think when when it got really bad when I moved out of my childhood home, because I was an adult, I I was in control of what I brought from, from the food shops, I was in control of what takeaways were delivered. So it was only then that it really spiralled and I just completely and utterly lost my control. That's probably the best way that I can describe it, I had no control over what I was eating and I didn't see food as fuel, which let's face it, that is what food is, right? I saw food as something to cater for any emotion that I was feeling. And also there was an element of gluttony. Um, it was enjoyment and yeah, it, it just
1: spiraled. And for you, Emma, I, I mean, it sounds like because you it had been something you were coping with or, or managing for such a long time, but it didn't creep up on you as such. It just was part of your life. And being overweight how did you feel about that in yourself did it impact you negatively or because it had maybe been part of your life for so long maybe it didn't impact you so much but but how did you feel
0: so I ended up morbidly obese and this this is this is when I'm talking about when I was at my biggest and yes it did impact my life Um, It impacted all all elements of my life, to be perfectly honest with you. I used to wake up every morning feeling like I had crushed myself from the sheer force of the size of me. Day-to-day tasks were impossible. So walking up a flight of stairs, a single-storey flight of stairs in my house, I would be gasping for breath when I got up. In the end, I had to change the type of shoes that I bought. So I had to buy slip-on shoes because I couldn't bend over to tie my shoelaces up. It was, it was impossible. So every single aspect of my life was horrendous to be perfectly honest with you. And it's not just that, it's also how I felt about myself. Like I'd, I'd look in the mirror, and I'd I'd really dislike what I saw back, and if there was an invitation to say a wedding or a christening or a party, immediately I'd be like, "Really? Do I have to? I'm not going to find anything to to wear, and I'm going to feel like rubbish." So, yeah, it, it it was it was hard. It was really really hard. If I'm being totally truthful with you, it was it was tough.
1: Of course, and and I think quite often in that moment because you don't really know anything else or, or you're, you're kind of in some sense stuck with that like you, you do find a way to to get on with life on a day-to-day basis and you know you get on with things but it doesn't take away from the fact that you feel bad about yourself and, and you mentioned there obviously emotionally that that mm-hmm. you didn't feel happy with how you looked and you didn't like what you saw uh, and did it impact you know relationships and and going out you mentioned like more formal events of if there was an invitation but day to day working and things like that I would imagine if you had health problems and, and a lack of physical health it made it difficult just doing you know normal tasks and, and just normal everyday life
0: yeah so I was the classic fake it until you make it in terms of my personality deep down i'm I'm actually quite a shy reserved person and yes I'm outgoing and and I enjoy conversations but I'm I'm actually quite shy but what what I had to do was I had to almost create an alternative version of myself to protect myself so I was the loud um center of attention the person who would also make jokes because I didn't want people to judge me for my appearance I wanted people to judge me based on my personality so I thought if I was loud outgoing um, and funny that I wouldn't I would I would you know I would be accepted of and liked course. I suppose
1: yeah and, and I think having spoken to other people who who describe themselves in that same way it's almost like a, a coping mechanism or, or a way to kind of shield yourself from potential I don't know criticism or judgment in that way that you kind of, and, and I'm not sure if, if this happened to you at all but one of the people I've interviewed they mentioned that they'd make jokes about themselves first so that way kind of to prevent other people from doing it or, or getting that you know jab or, or saying something bad about them they'd say it about themselves first
0: oh absolutely especially when it was in a in a situation which is embarrassing so All people who who have gone through this will understand the trauma of having to ask for a seatbelt extension when you're on an aeroplane. It's not nice. It's probably up there with one of the most traumatic parts of of being overweight. So, of course, you have to ask for the seatbelt extension, but then instantly you have to make a joke. You have to make a joke of it, like, oh, Twiggy must have sat here before me or something along those lines, when deep down you're literally wanting a black hole to swallow you up and just take you away so yeah it's it's definitely self preservation getting in there with the jokes first I've I've done it myself and I'm sure I won't be the only one um who'd have done that
1: not at all not at all and and I think as well that the fact that people who are probably listening to that may not consider the real reason behind it or, or the truth behind it or why that joke's being made so we'll laugh along with you and fine and just move on and forget about it. But mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing for you, it's it's a, a burden that you carry and, and, and something that there are probably moments where you're not in front of other people and you think about it and it probably probably makes you sad and, and probably makes you feel quite down about the situation that you found yourself in.
0: Absolutely. It's something that you, you laugh about in public but you cry about in private that's probably the, the best way for me to describe it. You put on a brave face, but behind closed doors, all those traumatic events, just great on you, you know?
1: Of course. And, and did you find that those those moments that you had, obviously, where you were at home alone and, and thinking about these things and you felt down, it's almost a vicious cycle because then you would turn to food for comfort.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. I would describe my obesity and and my weight issues as like having a ball and chain on me. I knew it was there. I knew it was not supposed to be there. And I was going through this never-ending cycle of trying to free myself from that ball and chain. So I tried many times to say, right, I'm going on a diet. Today's the day. It would always be a Monday. I could never start any other day of the week apart from a Monday and I would do well. And then something would happen in my life to trigger me, be it a bad day at work or anything like that. And then that's it back to food. Um, So it was, it it was never ending for a long, long time.
1: And I guess the thing with that, and and I, I think you're definitely not alone in the fact that it has to start on a Monday and, yeah. unfortunately if, if you end up having a, a disaster of a monday or a bad tuesday it, it's been it in, until the next monday comes you kind of find yourself in that back at square one in your old ways until that comes or you have the motivation to say okay i'm going to start again which, which doesn't really help you and, and can take you backwards if anything i'd say
0: and i i'd get into a habit of rewarding myself with food as well so I was a Slimming World member for a number of years and immediately after group ended, I would go straight to the chippy and I would buy two saveloys and a large chips and I'd, I'd binge it after. So I knew it was wrong, but I'd lost weight. I'd been told that I'd had a good week and then straight away, I thought, right, that's the only way I can reward myself with food.
1: And not only that, knowing that you still had the whole week until your next weigh-in, it didn't matter because you could you could lose it again.
0: Exactly. We always used to say sins don't count on a weigh night, which is not true. Like that's that's um, a really bad way of of thinking. But I was in that mentality that, oh, one night won't won't hurt, and then one night turns into a week, turns into a month, and then you know we're we're a lapsed member.
1: (laughs) Were you a member of Slimming World in Braintree at any point?
0: i was
1: what night was your weighing, in just out of interest
0: it was a saturday morning
1: oh, okay as i say it's a different group to my mum because this is i was just wondering if by any chance you you would know my mum because she's been going slim world for about 12 years um oh, really? yeah yeah maybe it's quite possible it's quite possible and um like you say that i think it's very common for a lot of people and, and please don't take this the wrong way but i think for people who perhaps might not be taking it as seriously as others or perhaps mm-hmm. aren't emotionally or mentally engaged with losing the weight or committed to it as some people are or, or perhaps you need to be to make it sustainable and long-term these things like you know on way day you can have the night off or you know weekends don't count things like that it's just yep. such a common thing that you almost talk yourself into and give yourself that free pass when quite honestly it that's not what you need to do or should be doing if long-term you're trying to change your lifestyle and it's not specific at you at all Emma, it's, it's something that happens to so many people. Um, but for you, we've talked a lot about, you know, your journey up until that point and a decision you made, you know, at some point you decided to lose weight. Tell me more about that, your decision to actually change that and, and do something about your weight and, and to to go on a journey of weight loss. Yeah, sure. So
0: we kind of touched on it briefly when, when I when I spoke about my, my dad and his ill health. But during the COVID pandemic and when we were in lockdown, that's when I completely and utterly lost my control with, with food and I and I got to my absolute biggest. And unfortunately, on the twenty sixth of January, um, two thousand and twenty one, I lost my dad. And it was at that moment that i realized that if i carried on living the life that i was i was next that's that's the unfortunate blunt realization that i had and it's awful that it took such a traumatic event to kind of give me that realization but it made me realize that life is just so precious and so short it 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 kick-started my journey I
1: suppose and then can I ask Emma and and, I mean if any of this is too personal I completely understand um Mm -hmm. had you lost anyone as close or or very close to you I mean it's very rare that you find someone as close to you as a parent but Mm -hmm. prior to losing your dad had, had you lost anyone very very close to you
0: yes I'd lost grandparents but that was during childhood. So I would say that this for me was the most significant loss and probably will be one of the most significant losses I've I've ever faced.
1: Of course. So perhaps the fact obviously being an adult and really being able to comprehend what that means, but mm-hmm. perhaps as a child losing grandparents, and not only that as well, generally speaking, grandparents are older and, and although it's sad to say, there's that expectation that your grandparents will generally go first in your Mm -hmm. family. And it's something that as children, you have friends who lose grandparents and it's more accepted. But I think losing a parent must be like you said, one of the more traumatic moments of your life and and probably one of the most poignant moments you'll ever go through. And for you, it, it gave you, I won't even say motivation at this point, but probably the realization as you've described it, that, you know, that life isn't or shouldn't be taken for granted. And and sorry, obviously, that, that you lost your dad. As you were going through that, kind of, did you decide, right, okay, I'm going to lose weight? Was it quite a, a straightforward thing for you that that happened and you said, right, okay, this is what I'm going to do? Or did it take time? If you don't mind talking about it.
0: No, no, of course I don't mind at all. So what basically happened was... I had a conversation with 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 my mum. My mum knows about all my struggles with with my weight, and and she's been there for me through thick and thin. Um, she, you know, joined Slimming World with me. She tried to do Slim Fast with me. She she's been there through every single failed attempt, essentially. So, I I remember this day like it was yesterday. I invited her round, and I said, Mum, I need to talk to you. And she walked in, and I—I'll never forget the look of look on her face of how terrified she was. I think she was probably gearing up for me to tell her I was either leaving my partner or pregnant. But, anyways, I—I sat her down and I said, "Mum, I've had enough." And she knew. She knew straight away exactly what I meant. She knew exactly what I was talking about, and she said to me, "How? How can I help you?" And this was when I spoke to her for the very first time about weight loss surgery it was something that I had been thinking about for a long time I knew a little about it but I didn't know a lot I kind of said to her I said this is this is my last chance I need to do this and she said to me okay let's do it and it all went from there it all went from that one honest conversation with my mum and that conversation was the start of my life changing.
1: Wow. And and it sounds as though it was something that needed to happen, but but probably for you made it real. Because I'm sure there have been so many times you would thought about losing weight and, and attempted to as well. But actually being honest with yourself to the point of saying, you know, you can't do it anymore. But it has to change. Yeah, probably gave absolutely. you that now I'll say it, motivation to, to actually get the wheels into motion and, and start doing something about it. And, and as you said, I, I think that's the first time we actually talked about how you actually lost weight with, with weight loss surgery. And as you know, there's only been a, a one or two people on the, on the show so far who have had surgery. So for me, it's very interesting to talk about because I think there's so many misconceptions and um, the, the taboo that we talked about before recording surrounding weight loss surgery. That it's important for people to be able to get information about it, hear people who have had it without necessarily it being like a sales pitch. But I'm definitely interested to hear yeah. more about that and, and your, the process you went through to having weight loss surgery. I and mean, then obviously the great success that's come of it, which we'll talk about afterwards. But t- tell me about the process, the actual surgery.
0: So there are various methods in which you can um, access weight loss surgery. So the first is being referred on the NHS, um, the second is going privately in the UK, and the third is going privately abroad. The method that I took, and I was in a very, very fortunate position, was privately in the UK. I'll be honest with you, it was, a very spur-of-the-moment decision and it all happened very quickly however that was my lifeline this was my way out so i wanted it to happen quickly i inquired in the april so april 2021 and then in june 2021 i was on the operating table having my operation so that was how quick it was for me that was my last chance i spoke earlier about my obesity being like a ball and chain that was attached to me the way that i see it was weight loss surgery was my key that fit the lock in order to release that ball and chain
1: so something i want to ask you emma about this if that's okay because uh, i think that maybe in the uk i don't know if the process is different But having spoken Mm -hmm. to a previous guest, Shay, who talked about going through consultations and there being quite a lot of checks and, you know, questions that are asked. Because you went privately in the UK. and, And I'm trying to think how to word this without it sounding like I'm accused, making accusations, which I'm not, but.
0: No, I think I think I know what you're getting at. What what kind of questions were you asked to make sure that you were sure that you wanted it? Is that essentially what you're? What yes. You're getting so, so, at? so
1: that is part of it, and also because of the fact that essentially you're paying for something. How does a mm-hmm. how does a company weigh up, obviously taking money from people against making the assessment about whether or not that person should really be having a surgery like that? because then we can get into you know the the details of the surgery and the the recovery and everything else but i do know that it's not it's it's a major surgery and it's something that can impact you for the rest of your life so i'm just trying to understand that you know what kind of process and the reason i'm doing it more than anything is because for people who listen to this might think wow that's easy mm-hmm. you know you 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 make consultation you pay the money two months later you've had a surgery and all your problems are solved but i don't want to paint the picture that it's a quick fix or something that everybody should just assume will work for them. I I think it's important to stay balanced there. So having been through it yourself, I'd be interested to hear about that in more detail, please.
0: So the first stage is consultation. Um, So this is a consultation with the actual surgeon. So me personally, I had my consultation with a surgeon called Mr. J. Anthony, who's based in Springfield Hospital in Essex, Chelmsford, just down the road, which you'll know. I know exactly Um, where it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's where I went. Um, I wanted it to be close to home because I was terrified of having an operation because it was my first ever one. So what you do is you, you, book, you book the initial consultation. Now, at this stage, you've not committed to the surgery. Um, you're just essentially having a chat with the surgeon about the possibility of, of, of having weight loss surgery. So the very first thing they do when you get there is they weigh and measure you. Um, and the reason they, they they do that is because they want to see what your starting weight is and what your starting BMI is. Um, and of course, that then forms part of the conversation in terms of why you're there and, and why you want to do this. So when I met with Mr Jayanthi, he asked me to explain my history and what led me to wanting bariatric surgery. So this is when I kind of said to him, similar to what I've said to you just now, that I've struggled with, with my weight for my entire life. Um, I've tried every single method under the sun to lose the weight. And I felt that my obesity was a medical condition that I had that needed medical in- intervention to overcome. This was when we, he started to explain about what comes with, with weight loss surgery. And he explained about some of the pros and cons. Because, of course, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's major surgery. So he said to me, um, there are two types of surgeries that I perform. And this is the um, vertical sleeve gastrectomy and the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass. So just to quickly skim on what the differences are between those, the sleeve, which is commonly known as, is when you have roughly 80% of your stomach removed. So this is for portion control and you end up with a stomach around the size of a banana. And the roux y gastric bypass, commonly referred to as a bypass, is when they create a pouch in your existing stomach and then they reconnect your intestines to that pouch and therefore it bypasses the remainder of your stomach and and it's not only portion um, reduction it's also you absorb less of, of the food that you're consuming so this is when he explained to me that yes you will lose weight rapidly that's part of it you will be on a calorie restricted diet However, there are also some other things that you need to know about. And this was the first that I'd heard of it. I thought, you know, you, you see things in the media where people have weight loss surgery, the weight falls off of them, and then they go kind of dancing into the sunset. So he said that there are consequences of making that decision that you will have for the rest of your life. So what I have to do now is I have to take vitamins every day because I don't absorb them through my diet so I have to take probably about five or six different multivitamins and what I also do is I have a quarterly B12 injection so that's something that I have for life now so so that was explained to me during this consultation he also said to me that in the first couple of months after surgery you can suffer from hair loss. Your, your hair can come out, not horrendously, but it thins, which is, is another thing to consider. And the third and most important thing that he said to me was you might not be happy at the end because it's very common for people who've had bariatric surgery to end up with quite a considerable excess skin. So you end up in a situation where you dislike yourself pre-op and you dislike yourself post-op because you've now got a load of excess skin. So this was when he kind of said to me, he said, look, this is going to give you a lifeline for your obesity, but are you prepared to live with those three factors? There's other factors, but they're the three, the ones that I feel are the most important to note. So they don't kind of say to you, all right, you're overweight, let's 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 get you in, let's get your operation in. They do sit there and say to you, these are the consequences of, of having the operation, these are the good things, these are the not so good things. Can you live with that? So although it's it's easily accessible, so to speak, it's not something that they would accept just anyone for.
1: That's what I was trying to get at and understand in more detail mm. because I, I realize that they have a duty of care. To their patients yeah and really just to paint the picture as well that it's just not something that is suitable for anyone and also the consequences that come as a result of that and, and I really appreciate MOU you being completely transparent about it and having to weigh that up and it, it actually again if you're happy to talk about it um mm-hmm. weighing up those things I, I would imagine if I could guess that having been through this for so long and so many years of your life being unhappy with your weight that you kind of weighed it up and thought, okay, it's, it's worth it because it can't be worse than what it is at the moment.
0: Do you know what? You hit the nail on the head because that was exactly my mentality. My mentality was I can carry on as I am and end up with serious health conditions because I was very lucky that I wasn't diabetic and I didn't have more, more serious health issues or I could deal with the side effects that he's given me, yet move towards living a more healthy, active life, and actually live life how a 32-year-old should live. So that was that was ultimately a no-brainer for me. Do I carry on existing, or do I give myself a chance to live?
1: Of course. And... and- Probably at every age that you'd been, you'd not felt that you were living a life of the person at that age should be up until that point.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: Thank you. Like really, I've, I've, it's very interesting for me as well for somebody who, like many others listening, doesn't have an extensive knowledge of this. And, and I was going to say hearing it from the horse's mouth, but that sounds really rude. So um, <laughs> but, but hearing it, no, you're fine. See, this is this is the Essex coming out of me you know knowing that if we were in you know in the street talking I wouldn't feel bad saying it at all but obviously now being away from breaks for so long but I feel bad you know question myself whether or not I should say things like this anymore um but I think having that knowledge and, and you went through with the surgery and how was the recovery for you because I, obviously in a second we're going to get onto a really good bit about the, you know the weight loss and everything amazing that's happened to you since but how how was the operation of the, the recovery for you?
0: do you know what the actual operation itself wasn't that bad so where it's keyhole it's it's a lot less invasive than what it was previously so it's low, low uh, deemed a lower risk operation i remember when i first woke up feeling so confused because i'd never been under anesthetic before however when i woke up i cannot articulate this but I woke up feeling like I'd been reborn it was a very very strange feeling but because I knew that it was done it was almost like I had this light bulb moment where I was like when I walk out of that hospital things are going to be different you have to do a very strict post-op diet So because, of course, your stomach has been altered, you can't go on to what we call solid food straight away. So this varies surgeon to surgeon. However, my surgeon advised me that the first two weeks I was on liquids only and then two weeks after that I was on puree, so essentially the same texture as baby food. And then two weeks after that, I was on soft food, so scrambled egg, that kind of texture. And then after that, I moved on to solids. Again, there's still uh, a very strict diet. Well, I don't want to call it diet. There's a strict eating plan that you must follow whilst your new stomach settles so it's not a case of you getting off the operating table being able to eat normally but just eating less if that makes sense so you still have to have that psychological adjustment to learning how to deal with your with your new stomach
1: of course and and was that something that was i mean i would imagine having the plan there for you and and i'm sure the aftercare is is essential and, and something that's very closely and and monitored and and handled to make sure that you you recover properly and and as quickly as possible but having that plan and then once you got back to eating solid food I'm guessing obviously first of all the portions were much more different to what you had been used to before but then you talked about this feeling of being reborn so was that something that you were at peace with or, or didn't have trouble with
0: do you know what no it's i cannot i cannot describe it to you but my mind changed my mindset completely changed and i think it's because where i knew i was taking such drastic action i had to have um, a stern conversation with myself to say emma this is your chance take it so for me personally and i can only speak for myself the journey has actually been relatively plain sailing, but that's because my mind is so focused on on what I want. I'm so determined. I'm so driven. There is absolutely nothing on this planet that is going to stop me from reaching my goal, especially actions that I control. So I think that's a very important message to anyone who is considering weight loss surgery It does not fix your head. You have to do that for yourself. You have to have that inner drive and that inner strength to say, I can do this. This is the tool that is going to assist me, but all of this is still going to come from me and still come from within.
1: You know, jumping into this, I think you obviously had a very important reason to you to start this journey. And it sounds as though you hit the ground running in terms of the headspace you needed to be in to make this a success, which is fantastic. And, and I mean, without giving too much about a way about where you are today and, and having looked at your Instagram, I I would say that this is just something, a feeling that has just gained more and more momentum since you had the surgery, because uh, I mean, if I can ask you had the surgery in June, 2021. So it's, it'll be in two years this June. And Mm -hmm. since then, on your journey, how much weight have you lost?
0: Um, I have lost 12 stone.
1: Wow. Congratulations. First of all, that's incredible. And like I said, knowing where you are now, and as I found you, when we started talking from seeing your Instagram, your, your life probably couldn't be any more different in terms of activity and the things you do now is that fair to say
0: oh goodness me yeah so I was always a very sedentary person but a lot of that was because my body just could not cope with any form of activity my little dog bless her I I was never able to walk her for long because I couldn't I couldn't do it so I said to myself I said not only am I going to get my nutrition in check i'm also going to get my exercise in check and I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna get moving so four weeks after my operation which might have been a little bit early but i felt ready i actually joined a local gym and that for me that was a huge turning point in my journey because i've gone from someone who does nothing to someone fast forward to today is a member of two gyms and trains minimum five times a week. And also, I love it. I've completely and utterly fallen in love with exercise. So the transformation from that respect, tenfold madness, to be honest with you.
1: And, and the thing about that is that I, I think for a lot of people who discover exercise and get this, this bug for it, this addiction to you know a healthier way of life, it's not to say it wasn't there and and it, it hadn't been there forever. But just like you said, with the body that you had being overweight, it prevented you from even exploring that. It was just something that was just a no start because you couldn't even if you wanted to, if you mentioned earlier the stairs, for example, being a challenge, walking into a gym and you know lifting weights or going on the treadmill, it just wouldn't have been, it would have been dangerous. If we're honest about it, for you,
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, when I talk, when I joined the gym, the thing that was probably going through in my mind most was I don't want to look out of place, and I don't want to be judged, and I don't want to be one of those people who people look at and think, "Oh, bless her, she's really trying," but you can see you can see that she's struggling. But actually, do you know what? And I I can say this now, I couldn't have been any more wrong about people that go in the gym. Because they are actually the complete opposite to that. I have made the most incredible network of friends through joining the gym. And it's made me realise that the people in the gym are rooting for you. We're all there for the same reason. We're all trying to achieve the same goal. Whether it be you know weight loss, weight gain, muscle muscle gain but everyone in there is, is there for the same reason. And, and that for me has been quite a, a poignant moment in which I used to see the gym as, as a form of torture. And I was so frightened, but now, love it. Absolutely love
1: it. There's it, such a mutual respect among people. Like you say, once, once and it's not even a case of like having to, to break into that circle. It's you yourself allowing yourself to be part of that circle. I think in the community of a gym, because there's no kind of initiation. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You don't have to be going for a certain amount of time. But I think you yourself have to realize that it, it isn't as scary as you think it is, That people aren't there, you know, judging you because they're really not. And I think this is something that most people, myself included go through mm-hmm. and I've been going to the gym i mean i started going to the gym so many times and usually ditched it after about two or three months but have now been going for more than a year and but it's only been probably in the last three or four months but i've really started talking to people or given myself permission to be worthy to be in there but it's not to say that i'm sure six months ago i could have spoken to any of the same people i talk to now and they'd have been just as lovely they'd have been just as as nice to me but i myself didn't allow that because i felt at some level I had to prove myself which is a shame really because I think it often puts a lot of people off from actually joining the gym in the first place.
0: Wow I mean that's that's such a strong point and do you know what I, I couldn't agree with you more you you have to give yourself permission and and justification to be able to enter in somewhere like that but once you realise that actually you've got equal right to be in there you pay your membership no matter what shape you're in, no matter your ability, you belong there.
1: Understanding that people are accepting and every single person in there, no matter what their goal, share the thing of wanting to improve themselves. No matter, like you said, whether it's weight loss, weight gain, health, fitness, training, it it doesn't matter. But to join a gym, to go to a gym and be part of that, is you wanting to improve yourself in some way. And and that's why I, I always encourage people to try it. And almost you have to get out of your own way to be able to enjoy it, because really there's nobody else there who, who would stand in your way. I really don't think there is.
0: I'm a self-confessed hype girl. So I am the sort of person that if I see someone doing well, I'll tell them, I can't hold myself back. I will be your biggest cheerleader. And I feel that that's important to give people um, the reassurance that there are people that root for you and there are people that genuinely want to see you smash your goals and and be the best version of you. And that's what I love about Instagram.
1: Sorry, before we get to Instagram, I just have to say I absolutely love this because the amount of times I'm in the gym and I see someone doing so well and I, I constantly try to make eye contact with them, just give them a nod, and just to be like well played you know and and just you saying that we we're going to have to go to next time I'm back in Brazil, we're going to the gym together we can, we can be cheerleaders for each other
0: oh yeah 100% let me know
1: <laughs> and, and we'll record another episode and and share that with everybody but go on to instagram please
0: i started my instagram to create a diary um it was my journal where i could post my transformation pictures and i could document things about my journey what i have also learn through this is there is the most amazing weight loss surgery community on Instagram and it's people from all walks of life being natural hype people I look very much look forward to transformation Tuesday face to face Friday is another one of my favorites but this is a time where people post pictures of their achievements and I live for it I absolutely love it so for anyone who wants to embark on a weight loss surgery journey, I would highly encourage you to check out some Instagram accounts because that has been a high source of inspiration for me. And some people have even become my friends. So you can gain so much more through this and friendship is one of them.
1: I couldn't agree more. And, and I think that obviously you probably gravitate to the community regarding weight loss that you have experienced yourself. Like I know as well, ex- exactly as you've just described with Slimming World, with Weight Watchers, with Keto, calorie counting, mm-hmm. these communities exist. So it's just to say that no matter what method of weight loss works for you, within Instagram, you can find those communities of people helping each other. And, and this is one of the, the goals I think I have of the podcast is to actually actually. Bring those communities together to the to the bigger goal of weight loss in general. And that regardless of the method that you're using, we share a lot of those things just in different manners and you know different methods. Um so, so this is a perfect time, Emma. Tell us where can people come and find you on Instagram?
0: This is one of my proudest achievements in life. I love it. I <laughs> absolutely Instagram... love it. <laughs> my Instagram handle is at
1: adios flabios <laughs> adios Flavios. honestly this especially being in spain <laughs> i i when i first saw that i i absolutely loved it and this is one you won't forget so for anyone who wants to go and follow emma and you know look at her before and after photos look at what she gets up to now in the gym it, it's a great account to look at and, and a real source of inspiration go and visit adios flabios I, I, I just feel happy saying it it's such a nice account name well played
0: i mean the funny thing is i'm not even spanish
1: <laughs> who would know I like the
0: sound of it, you wouldn't know yeah, it, exactly. it, it just,
1: yeah you're absolutely right and the, also i'd like to ask you Emma as well because we're running out of time what advice would you give to people who you know regardless of whether or not i guess they're considering weight loss surgery but somebody who perhaps similar to yourself has been living with being overweight most of their life and perhaps doesn't want to have to wait until they reach a traumatic moment to make a change?
0: First things first, be kind to yourself. That's probably the most important important thing for me to say. It's not your fault that you've got into this situation and everything will be okay. If you are looking at going down the weight loss surgery route, Surround yourself by people who can support you um, through the good times and also the hard times. But also, remember, it's not just about what you're going to lose in terms of weight. It's also about what you're going to gain in terms of life. Think about all the things that you can now do. Think about chairs, aeroplanes. Think about that and lastly remember that this is about transitioning from existing to living take one day at a time and you'll get there
1: amazing emma it has been fantastic talking to you i've enjoyed this so much
0: (laughs) me too i feel like i've been talking to a friend i've known for years i've loved doesn't
1: it. it but really it's been such a great conversation you've been absolutely fantastic in in describing these things and and not taking away from the fact that you know this has come from a very difficult place originally and hearing your your happiness and how it's changed your life and and giving you a life i'll say it is just phenomenal and, and i'm truly happy for you so thank you for being our latest weight loss warrior and i can't wait to meet you in Braintree.
0: me too thank you so much thanks for having me today i've loved it
1: you're very welcome take care of yourself emma thank you I'd also like to say a big thank you to you, our listeners. I appreciate you joining us at the Weight Loss Warrior podcast and would love that you become part of our tribe. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new Weight Loss Warrior tell their story. We share brand new episodes every single Monday and Thursday and hope that you join us next time. You can also find us on Instagram, where we share great tips and advice on how you can lose weight in a safe and sustainable way. Simply search for Weight Loss Warrior Podcast. And follow us today. Remember, be kind to yourself and keep looking forward. You can achieve your goals.